if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hire this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to MarcellaAlonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Sunday Funday with Marcella Alonzo and I am so excited because I have John Seitz here. Welcome, welcome. I'm Thank so you glad. Thank so much for having me. Thank you. I, I have, I, I watched, um, uh, What's Up Fool, was it the podcast What's Up Fool? Yeah, with, uh, Felipe, Felipe. Felipe yes, I, I just saw the, the most recent one because I found you on the one before with Paul Rodriguez. Yeah. And and then I and then I saw your IG and I was like, wow, this like I was I'm just so fascinated because your Spanish is better than mine. And like and then you're like, oh, I was a professor in Spanish. And I was like, oh, I, I could see me being in school. You're one of those uh, Spanish teachers that would, that would like crack on us bilingual kids. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, actually, the the irony was I was much more tolerant of, you know, Latinos who weren't raised speaking Spanish because it's not their fucking fault. And right. it can be really fucked up for them. They, it can be a, a thing of shame. They can feel like, but, you know, a lot of immigrant parents were like, I'm not going to teach, I'm not going to raise my kids with Spanish first because we want them to assimilate because we want them to have the American dream. So the irony is understanding that cultural nuance. I was actually harder on, you know, a white kid who's got no reason not to be getting this shit versus it can be super, super frustrating for a second, third generation, you know, Latino American when I was teaching them. So I was always kind of aware of that and sympathetic to that. Oh, wow. I wish I would have had you then. Like, a, I mean, I was a dick, a, don't get me wrong. I was, an right. extreme, was extremely strict um, just because I was so young and I had a chip on my shoulder because I was so young. Um, uh-huh. I was extraordinarily strict. I never, ever, ever, ever spoke English, ever. Wow. Yeah. So when did you start? Because um, I there's so many things fascinating before we can even go to your comedian about you. Um when did you start speak? You because I saw in one interview your parents were also did the same thing with ling. How do you say uh, linguist? I can't even. Yeah, say well, <laughs> both both my parents were polyglots in so much as they both spoke multiple languages. Wow! And so my dad did a program through Indiana University in the early '60s, and it was called the IU Honors Program, and they would take like 
the top 10, there's a whole series of tests and it's this whole thing you go through and they pick the top 10 winners and they give them a scholarship to go study abroad. And my dad did the IU honors program in French. And then oh 30, 30 years later, I wound up say, taking the same test, getting selected. And then my dad was like, you know, wanted me to learn French. And I was like, dad, I got news, man. Ain't no French bitches in Indiana. <laughs> and when you're, that's a- <laughs> when you're 15, that's the only reason. Right. But there were a couple of Mexican girls. Uh-huh. And nobody Oh, and you wanted a spit game. Yeah. And you, uh, yeah. Well, I wanted an advantage. I wanted an in because it wasn't mm-hmm. going to be looks or money. I had neither of those, but I was like, right. but all kidding aside, um, I wound up going to Mexico for one summer and in five and a half weeks came back completely functionally fluent. It was bonkers. Wow. Yeah. So that that was in high school. Yeah, that was right. my junior. That was my in between my junior and senior year of high school. Now for college, okay, because you said you studied in Spain, but was that yeah. your master's or? Yeah, I went to grad went to graduate program at uh, La Universidad de Salamanca in Salamanca, Spain. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then, and they were now in España. They can be pain in the asses. I know that. Dude, yeah, they were fucking. I, I mean, look, I love, love, love the country, the food. Mm-hmm. Every Spain is probably the only country outside of the U.S. I could live in. I mean, it's staggeringly. But they were such fuckheads about the type of Spanish I spoke. And you like I just didn't think that that imperialist. You know, because to them, people like you are still servants who were allowed, allowed to speak the king's tongue because they needed you to build their empire. The fact that you, the Mexico, Cuba, any of the brown brown people who speak their language, they were allowed to, but it was an unfortunate necessity of having an empire. Mm. So the word Monday, you know, Mexicans, when they say, it's like, what'd you say when someone, you know, Monday, that's something I say reflective, reflexively, and they automatically know that that means you speak Mexican Spanish. And they would always say, you know, there was a time I actually got into a bar fight with a guy because he asked me why I'm speaking that dirty peasant Spanish. Uh, and I was just like, hey, man. Like, I, anyway, so, yeah, yeah. It, it no, was. I know how they and because um, I grew up in Florida and there is some people from Spain over there. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and my, and, but when I did my tree on ancestry.com, like, yo, you, we all come from Spain. Like yeah. every Spanish person, they all come from, they right. invaded the Caribbean. They invaded um, yes. Canary islands. They invaded all of Mexico. Um, all of it. All yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 And so, and they, they do have now that I'm half Cuban and half Puerto Rican. And now the Cubans are a little bit entitled. And I could say this cause I'm Cuban um they yeah. they have that little chip on there yeah yeah I have, I have a very good cuban friend and he's like that we're both military vets that's how we met and uh he's really really elitist about other latinos and i'm oh, like yeah. i'm like hey man just so you know don't ever lose track of the fact that you're still a monkey to these people like they might be being cool with you and mm-hmm. like the fact that you shit on all the other Latinos, but at the end of the day, they'll never accept you. Yeah. You're That's why I feel like 
after the 10 years that I did in, like I talk, like the 10 years I did in LA, after living in LA for 10 a years, long time. yeah, I realized that all Latinos really need to unite, whether you're yes. Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, Uruguay, we all really, you need to unite together. Um, and that's why like on my podcast, I'm trying to have as many Latinos as humanly possible, but you know, you're booking shows you know how hard it is dealing with comics <laughs> like yeah and you know one thing that's been really cool i think um much has been made about the competition and the friction within the mm-hmm. different factions of the latin american world i have found those to not really be a thing when it comes to stand up cuz i've been booking and organizing these spanish shows for about uh-huh. 6 years now Wow. Yeah, I've been doing this for a the minute. Gringo, the gringo. <laughs> yeah, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the foreman, as I like the to for- say. Oh, I love it. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah, and there's a guy, um, oh my God, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I um, do that all the time. Oh my God, I've done so many drugs. I'm so old. <laughs> oh my God, he's my friend. I can't believe I'm blanking on his. Oh, I, I do that too, all the time. Hold I on. blank all the time. I, I, I can't. So. Oh my- Go ahead. Sorry. Now I have to ask you, okay, when did you join the military? Because that was another thing. Because I was like, I watched a couple, when's he going to talk about the military? When's he going to talk about, because now you also have operational comedy, um, yeah. which is great. But when yeah. did you serve? What year so were you there? I joined right after when we, when we invaded the Gulf and when, we, you know, the famous Whitney Houston singing the national anthem and the jets mm-hmm. fly over. I was hooked and I knew I was going to join the military as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. However, I needed, I needed to get kicked out of college first. Oh my God, <laughs> kicked out of college. So my parent, my, my parents, uh, well, my dad decided it was a good idea to send me to a religious college and I hate religion. I hate authority. I was just too fucking wild. I was crazy. Right. Um, got kicked out of college, joined the army and then they wanted me to be a linguist. They found out about my linguistic ability and they were like, we wanted, we want you to be a, a military linguist. And I wanted to be infantry because yeah. I, I was a moron. So I turned down the military language school to join the <gasps> infantry. Yeah. And then just by happenstance. That's the testosterone in you though. Like, I hate to say it, man. Like, oh, that's- just well, and age, just dumb. I mean, I was yeah. 18. I mean, I was literally oh, okay. Um, and just by happenstance, the two guys I, that were my bunk mates, my battle buddies, were two adult Chicanos who had served time in prison, who got time off their prison sentence. And people don't understand, like a lot of people in the infantry, at least back when I was in, were in there because they got out of jail early when you joined the infantry. Oh, So here I am, an 18 year old white kid from Indiana, and I'm bunking with two adult like blood in blood out type fucking like grown men yeah. and it was extremely extremely intimidating extremely intimidating so you just and like I, going to jail yeah it really was and, and i'm in down in texas i don't know anybody and for like two months i didn't let these guys know i spoke any spanish so i would just listen to the shit they would say about me and i was like oh my fucking god these guys are gonna fucking they're gonna kill me they think i'm a snitch they yada 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 and then just yeah and then just one day I just sort of had enough I came home drunk and just went off on them in Spanish and were they like this like 
Yeah. They were just like, <laughs> like what? And, then they, and they started calling me Miklo because they were like, it was a, the, the, the Wedo in the movie Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. They and it was calling. a real... So I had already this academic Spanish background, but I hadn't gone to, I hadn't gone to grad school yet. Uh-huh. And I hadn't gone to college yet. I hadn't majored, in, but I'd been down in Mexico. So now I learned this really, you know, street kind of hood rat type of Spanish, which greatly, greatly helped. Cause when I got to the academic setting, I already had both sides. So I could talk like a thug. I could talk like a, you know, professor, and it really just gave me more linguistic tools by with, with which to communicate and get my point across. It's a fucking trip. That's I just wish I was there to watch the day you went off on them in Spanish. That would have been funny as shit. It was, man. It was. Yeah, it was bonkers. Their jaws. Yeah, they're both their jaws at the floor. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I would have loved to watch. That's funny as Oh my God. So, so you served how many years in the military? Just two years. Just two years. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's, you could do that back in the day. Oh, uh, okay. And then you, but you didn't go to any wars, nothing no, like that. I, or, thank God. I picked thank the God. one time in our his, recent history that we didn't go to war. I served mm. in that 1993 to 1995 in the Clinton years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and the reason I picked the infantry is because I wanted to go because I was dumb and I thought that shit was cool when I was a kid. But thank God, no, I never got sent. I think I my got- friend, a friend of mine, he did that too, and he avoided. Well, my poor cousin, my cousin, he killed himself. He, you know, because of, uh, he served the military, and um, he was picking up dead bodies. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. It really yeah. messed. It messed with his head, and he passed. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it messed with. And what saved him the. First, he went to Iraq. What saved him was speaking Spanish. And then they put him by the border the second time. Oh. Yeah, like that What that kind of saved him. So they put him over there. He's Puerto Rican. He goes over to San Diego. He was in the Marines. Oh, that's and- perfect. That's what you want on the border to keep out the Mexicans is a Puerto Rican. Because they're going to be like, fuck <laughs> you, you dirty ass <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but he he got married. I think she was a Mexican girl. I only met her like twice. And, um, but unfortunately, like during the COVID, I don't know what happened. He didn't have COVID. I think it was more of, he had like a lot of mental issues afterwards, you know, cause he served, but he was young. He's younger than me a couple by a couple years, but unfortunately, you know, he passed away cause of everything. So you were lucky. You just did the two years. You got all that. So after the two years, then you went to col- college. How did you get into comedy now? Oh, man. Um, So undergrad, I went to, okay, the shortest version I can give you is undergrad was majoring in Spanish. I get Mm -hmm. out and there's a massive pharmaceutical company in Indianapolis called Eli Lilly. Mm -hmm. They, I think they, I think Prozac and I remember them. Yeah, they're one of the biggest in the world. So I got a job there in their international business department. And I was like, oh my God, I'm set. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I was not cut out for an office job. Nine to five. I, I was crazy. I didn't know it's. It, when I look back now, it all makes sense how I got to where I am. But at the time, I, it, you know, like the fish in the water don't know it's wet. So they say. Yeah. So I was talking to one of my old props. We were having lunch and I was just like, hey, I'm miserable, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, if you want, we've got an opening. You could just do one class. 
you know, we, you could just teach one class at night. And then I really liked it. My reviews were really good. And then I wound up becoming, you know, full time going to grad school in Spain. That was part of it. And then teaching. And then in 2008, the, the crash happens. Oh yes, yes, yes. And I was one of those stories. And Mm -hmm. I I went through a divorce, lost my job, my house, like it all came crashing down in like a week. Oh shit. And I'd always had this kind of fantasy of stand. Like I, I, I'd never been to a comedy club. I'd never known a comedian. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't really watch stand up. Wow. Yeah. And so on a bet, I went to an open mic, got up, did like four or five minutes, did pretty mm-hmm. well, like got laughs and it was hacky. I wasn't doing real jokes, but I was like, holy shit, I think I could do this. And this is so true. The first time I got a laugh on stage, the very first time I got a laugh, I knew instantly this is what I was supposed to do with my entire, like instantly I was like, holy shit. You felt shit. the connection. Yeah. You're this like, is this is my purpose. This is my purpose. And as stressful as it can be financially and otherwise, my worst day in comedy has been better than my best day in corporate America or teaching or whatever. Cause I was just miserable because I knew I wasn't, I knew I wasn't on the right path. I just didn't know where the fuck else I was supposed to be. Right. So, but I knew I didn't want to sleep on a futon because I was an adult. I was 34, 35 when I started stand up. So I was like, wouldn't it be cool if I started doing stand-up shows for veterans, but they were R-rated, which is what veterans really are. Cause I would go to these shows and they'd be clean and for family friendly. I'm like, man, this is not, these are not the fucking veterans I know. So that's how I, and I just started doing it and I started doing theaters and I got some corporate sponsors and it just started going and started going and started going. I did it out in the Midwest for about, three, maybe four years, and then mm-hmm. moved out to LA 10 years ago and haven't looked back. Wow. Now, you, I heard you said you're originally from LA, but you were raised in uh DC area, was it? Yeah, yeah I'm really a, a total hybrid of the US. I was actually born in Hollywood, right two miles from where I live now, but I don't remember it. My dad wound up in Long Beach Naval Station after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. He's from Indiana. So I grew up, I was born in LA, don't remember it, then moved to Miami, barely remember that. Mm-hmm. And then all of grade school, I lived in Washington, DC, Northern Virginia. Wow. I, I was there not too long ago. That's Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking cool. And then my freshman year of high school, my dad moves me to Indianapolis. Oh, downtown man. Indy, not like. Because Virginia, it, it could be urban over there. Like Northern oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very urban. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You do have kind of like the all American, like you've been through, like, and that's what people need to be on the East Coast and the West Coast to really understand stuff. Yeah, yeah. And understand, like, I've been in Trump country, I've been in the East Coast, and now I've been out in LA for this is my 11th year. And I fucking love it, dude. All those people shit oh, yeah. on California. I'm like, you can eat a hot bag of cocks. This place is fucking great. They're like, it's expensive. I, I'm like, that's because everybody wants to fucking come here because it's great. No, no, it. I do. There's a lot of things that I miss about Los Angeles. And I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful 10 years. And like I said, or uh, told you earlier, people that opened the doors was the Mexican community. And yeah. that's really LA. What's sad yeah. is, 
the the first time I ever saw a cholo out with the socks and everything. Yeah. Because again, I'm from the East Coast. I looked and I just thought it was something like a mythical creature that was only on TV. I didn't believe it. I saw all those movies, but then I'm looking and I'm like, whoa, look at like, yeah, it was something like for me to see. But then as I got immersed more in the culture, the people that opened it, because everybody in LA is from somewhere else, yeah, pretty much. But the oh, yeah. people that are LA are, it's the Mexican community. And they, for years, you never saw enough Latin representation on TV. And it you was, know? and it was crazy to me because, you know, I, I looked at the success of Def Jam in the black community and I'm like, there's more fucking Latinos than brothers. How is this not? Yeah. How has this not crossed over? And that was sort of why I started doing it. Cause I knew some Latino comics that I'd been working with on operation comedy and doing military shows. And I'm just like, how come nobody's doing this in Spanish? And when I first started, I was doing shows that were all in Spanish. Wow. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I went on, there's this show called Tengo Talento, Mucho Talento, uh-huh. which is this ghetto ass, chapa ass, Mexican-American version of America's Got Talent. It's uh-huh. so fucking hood. I love it. It was so fucking funny. But I went on there as the first white dude doing stand-up. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, because they said in the gringo. And I was like, oh, my God, they said that. Like, yeah, yeah. like I couldn't I, believe it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of what opened some eyes where people were like, holy shit, this guy really speaks Spanish. And, can really- and then I, I watched it on YouTube because I always research all the people um, that I have on. I feel like it's, a, you know, you should do that if you have a podcast mm-hmm. to get to know the person. But I was just like floor. I was like, I understood you. You were funny. And I was just like floored. Like, wow. Like, this is, I this think- is great. I think I'm the only white dude in the country who can do it. Um, and I, there's one other guy. There's a guy named Eddie Izzard. Who's a fucking ge- like a genius. He does stand up in French, German, Spanish, Spain, Spanish. And oh, I yeah. think I know who he, he is. English cat. Is he the one that some is he's transgender or no? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or cross dresser. I don't know the proper term, but I don't either. But he's. A I, I don't know, but I know who you're talking about. Oh, so he does four or five languages. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he did comedy at D Day for the 75th anniversary of the landing in D Day, which is Normandy. Uh huh. And he did a set in French, German, English. And then I believe added a set in Spanish too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that in this, in the U S we're not teaching children younger to speak a second language. You know what I, what I like to say is how often, this is the truth. Ask, let me ask you, how often do you meet an American? Black, white, whatever who took the time to become fluent in a second language that they didn't grow up with at all in their household. You never, never. Never. And you travel anywhere else in the world. You go to Africa, they speak French. Well, English, well, Dutch. I I have to say this, and I don't hope you don't get offended, but me as a Latin woman, I get guy, white guys that will call me and they speak the most broken Spanish ever. Like, because they have this like little fetish for, and they'll be like, hola. Go my style. Hi. Like yeah. that. And, and tell me hi, Poppy. And I'm like, 
they're totally fetishizing over me. And I'm like, it's gross. Like, like it's, it's gross. gross. It's like, dude, like it's I was be- born. You'd be better off to not say anything in Spanish. And they, and they, and they will speak, but you speak good Spanish. So uh, you'll probably be calling me out, but they speak like horrible, like bad Spanish. And then they want you to speak it because that's how they're all of a sudden you could tell they're getting turned on and you're like, oh, okay. You know, that's, like. That's a lot. That's really fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now, like, um, what I, what I will say that. is my experience has been that, that obviously notwithstanding creep fucking yeah. white dudes, but there is no group of people on earth who show more appreciation for someone who takes the time to learn their language than fucking Latinos. They're the opposite of the French. The French are cunts. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how well you speak their shit. They're always correcting you. You go down to Mexico. If you can say, donde esta la biblioteca? Oh yeah. Yeah. They They love, they, they are so appreciative and it's just something. And that was also part of the motivation for me keeping learning this language was how, old, young, male, female. It was a great way to meet girls, but you could also like talk to the guy at the taco truck. You could talk to the soccer coach. You, I just found all over the spectrum, if you made a legit effort to speak their language, they just, they would engage and thought it was cool. And I love Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. No, yeah. no, it, it's with the Mexican, that's true about the Mexican community. They're very open. They're very, um, and you're right. It's, it's like a family and then you yeah. go, yeah. And you go to events and the food. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. No, they, it's, they have a wonderful culture and you're right. That's true. When you are, anytime I've been in Mexico, yeah, you, I speak Spanish to them and everybody's we're open. Yeah. And then when it really, really started to get fascinating, uh-huh. And I started to be able to use some of my shit from grad school and my teaching world is the number of layers to doing stand-up comedy in a secondary language and all of the socio-cultural aspects at play has been fucking fascinating for all of us, for the Latino comics, for me, for the Mexican-American comics, for the comics who actually come up from Mexico um, oh, you having people come from Mexico to see? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And we all have different experiences. Um, there's a guy named Francisco Ramos. I don't know if you know who he is. I, 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 yeah, I think I follow him on IG. Yeah, he is a fucking killer. He is a killer, and in Spanish particularly, both languages. But he's one of the few guys who can legit headline in Spanish. Well, he's Venezuelan. So oh, when wow. we've got when we've got a Mexican crowd, and there can be different types of Mexican American crowds. You yes. can have more Chicano crowd. You can right. have more Paisa crowd. You can yeah. have different, and every night it can be different, and different jokes hit in different ways. And like a Venezuelan type of sense of humor, you know, might not hit with the Dominicans, or they're judging right. them in a different way. Or you get a, a big name Cuban comic comes in. He brings a crowd that's Cuban. They react differently to a Venezuelan yeah, because of a competition mm-hmm. versus Mexicans may or may not react any differently because they've never met a fucking Venezuelan before. So they don't know anything. It's just, it's fucking, to say nothing of the linguistic nuance, the cultural layers are so fascinating. It's been such a fucking trip. Yeah, they have a comedy show where it's it's Colombians here in New York. And I've been all in Spanish and I've been dying to go to it just to see 
and they hear the difference. Generally regarded, I don't know if you know this, but in the linguistic world, Colombian Spanish is generally held up as the most beautiful and perfect and the model Spanish in all of your work. Oh, it is? Oh my God. It's like, when I hear Colombian Spanish, I can understand everything. It's beautiful. Like it's, oh, Colombian Spanish is, that's why when Narcos came out, I was Mm -hmm. so jazzed because I was hearing like the, so I remember being, when I was in, when I was teaching, I had a Colombian colleague and when Uh I I would go into his class to audit and just listen to him speak and I could just close my eyes and it was the rhythm. Everything about it was part of beautiful. I love Colombian Spanish. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So that's the one in Spain. They appreciate the most. Not the Cuban Spanish. No. Oh, no, that no, Cuban not, Spanish sounds way different. <laughs> not just in Spain, but I just mean mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the world. In the linguistic. Oh, okay. Well, in, in the world of, of, of methodology and secondary language acquisition and teaching, it's in that whole. So all of it, the whole the whole academic community, it's generally regarded as being the model Spanish. Like if you took someone, uh-huh. a, a total foreigner, and you were like, of all the dialects and all the types of Spanish, if we could only teach them one, it would be Colombian because it's, oh. it's it's the most perfect. Wow. Yeah. Now, now you're going to have me watching more Colombian Spanish just to listen it's and to hear so, the difference. Yeah. It, to, wow. to me, it's, it's, night, it's night and fucking day. So like to me, the hardest by far to understand are Cubans and fucking Dominicans. I mean, I'll literally be talking. I have trouble with Dominicans. I'll be honest. I, I could tell when I see one, Fuck. but they do say certain words. Puerto Ricans, I understand word for word. Mm. Um, Peruvians, that's hard. That can be hard. Peruvians I can do because to me, it's less about the colloquialisms. And for me, it's more about the speed. Mm. It's less to do with diction, pronunciation. It's more just to do with the simple fact that you fuckers eat the second half of the sentence. And I'm just like, so very often I'll be out and there'll be a Dominican. Um, and what's really cool is I've gotten to know more. So like Sasha Merci, mm-hmm. I don't know who she is. Yes, yes, yes. Really fucking funny. Really cool. Gabriel Del Obre. Um, there's a guy named Jay Valentino. Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are all Caribbean, so Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban, you know, and when they start speaking with each other, I get maybe a third of it. Really? Yeah. See, and I, I'm opposite of you because I'll understand them. But then some of the Mexicans, but I picked up more of it as I lived in L.A. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. And look, it's it's the same way. I mean, look, there's places in Mexico I've been. Because, you know, you obviously got indigenous cultures that yeah. still have strong ties with Mayan and Aztec and Olmec and that whole world. And there's places you get down in southern Mexico, it's goddamn near click and whistle shit. Like, this is literally totem pole people speaking. And I can't understand wow. any of it. In fact, well, not, I, I, I can understand a lot of it. But I mean, right, it's, right, right. it's so interesting to me when I start communicating with them. Once I have a contextual advantage of what we're going to be discussing and I can really understand things. Yeah. The grammatical structure and the way they say things and like the lack of subjunctive, mm-hmm. for example, um, it's so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. So tell me about when did you start operational comedy? 
So Operation Comedy, I started right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole idea was to have bigger name comics do real fucking stand-up for, for real soldiers and sailors and airmen and, you know, Navy and every, every branch of the military. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it went really well. I was doing theater, but I knew that in order to start connecting with bigger talent, I was going to have to go to the talent instead of trying to get the talent out to Indianapolis. Mm. That was was not happening. Mm -hmm. So I got out here and that's when I met, um, you know, a lot of the people I work with now. So like Eliza, uh, Eliza, uh, Whitney Cummings, Nikki Glaser, Mm -hmm. Bill Burr. Wow. You've got some big names you've worked with on that. Jeff Ross. And yeah. And I don't want, like, I want to make it clear. This isn't like some fucking name drop where I think I'm great or some shit like that. It's just, they liked the idea of wanting to give back and be able to support the military by doing, telling jokes for them and not having to worry about being censored. Mm. If you go do a military show on a military base. You can't say this. You can't say this. You can't say this. Oh man. Yeah, and you know people, you know people. Yeah, 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 people, yeah. Like, hey, man, I love, I'll I'll do jokes anytime for a charity, but I, I can't work for free and be told what to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, so that happens every year, operational comedy, or? I do, I do different, different benefits and different shows mm-hmm. at different times. I do some, there's a World War II aircraft carrier out here, or I'm sorry, a, a World War II battleship in L.A. Harbor, um, the USS Iowa. I'll do shows there. I'll do shows at the American Legion. I'll sometimes do them in comedy clubs. But now what I've started to do also is taking comics out to the desert in the Mojave Desert to actually do military shit with the military. So I just took uh, Whitney Cummings and Hannah Stocking and um, uh, Deont- uh, heavyweight champ Deontay Wilder. Uh-huh. I took them out to the National Training Center in the Mojave to shoot guns and do, you know, crazy-ass Army shit. It was, it was hella fun. Hella fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was wild. That's crazy. Wow. That sounds like – and that is that is a good thing that you're giving back like that. You you know, that you did two years, and now you're giving back and uh, giving proper entertainment. Yeah. It's, and I get, I bet you they enjoy it because it's not some Mickey Mouse show that they're watching anymore. Exactly. And that's what they, that's what they kept getting. And look, I understand the military not being able to allow. So my whole idea was like, well, just take the military experience off base so people can do whatever the fuck they want. And the military likes it too, because then they don't have to worry about any sort of liability. If somebody makes a certain kind of joke, they're like, yeah, it was off base. So the fuck are you going to do? Wow. Now, how did you get involved with Spanglish? uh that that show that current show that you're doing right now because that this is very interesting to me this is just like i yeah. just like i love it i love this idea because uh you're supporting latinos and then you're also having a bilingual show it's great yeah um the great legendary paul rodriguez um reached out it's been about three months now and he was like look i'm doing this show I'm busy. I'm making my own movie. I just, I don't have time to run it. Mm -hmm. Um, He and I had worked together. He has done, he had done two of my Spanish shows, all Spanish. Mm -hmm. He knew me and knew that I'd produce these type of events. And he was like, it's every week at the laugh factory on Thursdays. Will you run it for me? And I was like, fuck. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that would be a dream. And he was like, but I want to call it Spanglish. So it opens up 
a larger, broader audience um, rather than just Spanish. And I was like, that's fucking, that makes all the sense in the world. So, and then I wanted to specifically book different comics. Some do Spanish, some do English, some do a a combination, which is usually what happens. Um, Mm -hmm. I started doing more English, Mm -hmm. but I like to do about 70% Spanish, 30% English. Um, and it's just, it's been a fucking trip. It's, it's been so fun. Now, does any mouths drop? Cause I have to admit when I first saw you speak Spanish, I was like, I'm like, what? Like our mouths open like that? Yes. Like, I was, yeah. And I have to say that is an experience that has never, ever, ever gotten old for me. And it- every <laughs> time I get to do it, it's such a, it's such a trip. It's so fucking, whether it's the taco guy or a girl at a club or stand up. Um, cause what I like to do is I like to walk out and I go Spanglish, huh? And the crowd laughs and I go, anybody want to guess which fucking language I'll be doing? And then they all laugh. And then I go into, you know, and you wow. And your accent, like the fact to me that you could, so this is the thing when I was in LA, I got my SAG card and all that. And I would audition and because I didn't have that neutralized Mexican accent, you know, it was like, okay, no. So I always had the East Coast, but you're able to do this Chicano, like Mexican accent with this, <laughs> like, I can't even, you know. Yeah, it's a really odd hybrid because it's like, I'm still kind of a hill jack, so you can you can hear like the Indiana kind of a little bit of a draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, have the Spain thing, but, but you did it perfect. Like you did when you when you spoke like you the you did an act a part where um, I speak like because I like uh, Mexico, not like I'm in Spain. And when you did this accent from España, it was oh yeah it, yeah. I was like yeah. I. Like, I can't even do that. Like, I'm mad at myself. How can, I can't even do different, some people can. I saw one comic, I saw a Cuban comic. He, he pretty much got everyone. I remember I saw it because I was like trying to practice different accents because, you know, and, but you're able to do it. And you didn't, again, you didn't grow up. This is just amazing. Like, well, it's. I'm pulling this guy. I, I can't believe I can't think of his fucking dude. <laughs> Your friend. He's my fucking friend. <laughs> I, I literally am having to Google Chilean. Oh, I, I've done that before, and I'll have to Google or look on IMDb at the show that they were in. And it's just our brain. You smoke a lot of weed? Uh, Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, but I have really bad ADD. Fabrizio Capano. I can't believe oh, I can okay. think of his name. He okay. is... Not only a delightful human being, he's really, really fucking funny. But he's young. He's Mm -hmm. Chilean, which is not something that anyone really is familiar with. No. And I threw him up and I was like, let's see how a hardcore Chicano crowd reacts to this kid. Yeah. And he fucking murdered. Because what I've learned, I know this is cliche, is funny is funny. And if you got good jokes, nobody is so dug in with their inter latin american racism that they're not gonna fucking laugh at a professional comic telling good jokes that's true so i there's really none of there's really none of that um as as far as i've been able to see everyone just really has a good time 
And as long as you're funny, nobody really gives a fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. I wish we had something like that in New Well, we have the Colombian one in New York, but uh, which I need to go see to see how the variety, but that's that's really cool what you're doing and it's helping our my community, you know? Um, well, and, and what they told me is, you know, one thing I try to be really empathetic about and careful about mm-hmm. is when you're a white dude and you're running Latino night, mm-hmm. you got to be careful not to get too familiar and too into how, you know, like you still need to present some humility, like, you know, I, obviously I'm not fucking Eminem, but if you look at how Eminem has kind of always handled himself, he's like, I'm a guest of the black hip hop world. Right. Like, that's very much how I feel is I have the ability to book and organize and I know the comics and I know I do that, but I'm also like, I make it, it's not about me. Right. You, know, you have respect go, for our community. Fuck yeah. Like, a yeah. Ton of it. and what meant a lot to me was for a guy like Paul Rodriguez to go, Dude, you paid your dues. Like you speak, yeah. you you lived in Mexico. You lived with a family. You spent all this time learning our language and our culture. Don't worry about what anybody fucking says. And everybody's been super, super cool about it. But also some of them told me that in the beginning, the reason it worked having a white guy do this is because I didn't have any of the old beefs that all these comics had from years and years and years. Right. So yeah. I just came in and I didn't, I didn't know or dislike anybody and was able to mm-hmm. just start putting it together. And it's, 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 it's been by so far and away the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. I've been doing stand up for 15 years. I, I, I hate to admit, but like stand up is kind of stand up yeah. I've been doing it forever, but the Spanish thing never, ever, ever gets old. And just every time I get done, it, it feels like, almost like having a superpower being able to do that make people laugh in another language it's just it's fucking the coolest thing in the whole world times a thousand it's unbelievable yeah no it's it it, it's i'm really amazed that's why i had to like i was so happy you're gonna be a guest (laughs) yeah because i eyeball comics and i'm like oh well i think i'm gonna be on and there is you're right about there is some politics among other latinos and i'm like can't we all get along like the yeah. cubans do, i grew up being half cuban and half puerto rican and they don't like each other oh and, no no yeah, oh, no. no no yeah yeah, yeah and I grew it's up much less so for me the joke or the stereotype was always you know mexicans and puerto ricans don't puerto ricans don't get along it always used to be you know you know good luck call a mexican a puerto rican and see what happens but you realize Mexicans, at least in my experience, don't really have a lot of beef with Puerto Ricans because there just aren't a lot of them out here for there to be competition of any sort. Right. However, like you said, Cubans and Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, because they share the same area, naturally, you're going to have much more of a rivalry and competition and, and open dislike. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's I that's why I feel like we all can't unite some kind of way because there's so many little like, oh, we're not this or we're not yeah. Yeah. I think something that makes stand-up unique and what excites me about it, um as sort of a uniting factor is it's one of the only art forms where 
you really get your fucking face kicked in the first few years. I mean, it's hard. You bomb. You're in your fucking fucked up car driving to Iowa in the freezing cold to do 10 minutes at some pizza parlor. Um, I mean, it's just humbling. Yeah. And so most comics aren't fuckheads because we've all had that similar, that humbling, humiliating experience of those first years when you're trying to figure out how to do this thing. And I find that's more, you know, what unites comics more than their race is the shared experience of starting off, you know, because bombing is something that most people can't possibly understand. Yeah. Sitting no, on it's, stage. It's, it's, I really admire um, comics. And I used to do this podcast sort of on my IG and I interviewed one person that went viral that they just did little silly clips and the difference between a stand-up comic that has at least five years under their belt versus somebody that's viral yeah they are just so humble so down to earth such a great person to talk to somebody viral oh oh man that's the worst i said never again i need somebody that's been up on stage that has a sorry my dogs are all no it's fine but um yeah, like I have so much respect. I always love comedy over uh, music or anything else because it's such an artwork. You have to get in front of strangers, a big audience, and you have to make them laugh. Well, And, and you have to make them laugh with your own material that you write. And there's no, there's never, like maybe there's been one or two or three, but also it's the only art form where you will not be successful when you are young. Because to be a stand-up comic is to lecture about the human condition. And nobody wants to hear some 25-year-old kid tell you about life. Because it's like, motherfucker, have you been divorced? Have you been bankrupt? Have you had medical problems? Have you had your heart broken? Have you ever fucking, you know, all of the shit that you, that's why you see, you need to be in your 40s typically or or late to mid-30s to pop as a comic. And I've had pretty good experiences with the YouTube people transitioning, but I yeah. will be honest. I do like watching them bomb. I do like <laughs> watching too. the, the arrogance. Yes, of, me too. I like watching when they, them when they come to a real comedy club. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck. And you watch them at the comedy store or somewhere and they, they have their little funny expressions. That's not a joke. That's not a yeah. crafted act that people are expecting at a comedy club. And so for two minutes, everybody's loving your funny little things. And then eight, nine, 10 minutes in, they're like, um, so it's like, yeah, you can't, this isn't a video you can edit motherfucker. This is. Yeah. 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 I do. I do like watching them bomb. I'll be honest. I'm like, that too. yeah. Well, we Cause, do. It, Cause I don't like too. that cocky. I don't like that cockiness of like, uh, you know, the internet, it's, it's a good and then it's bad because some things I go, they, they just started touching money, but I feel like they just get this fame and it goes right to their head and they're full of themselves and they don't know, but it's so, have so much respect for comedians because of all the work that they go through to get up, to write all this material and all that. It's not so easy. No, it's not easy at all. No. And you know, what also happens is you've seen this with like, I don't know if you remember, remember the thing, remember when Charlie Sheen lost his fucking mind for a hot Oh yes. And then just out of the blue, he's the biggest star in the world. Everyone loves him. He starts feeling himself and he's like, I'm going to do a comedy tour. 
Oh God. Lo and motherfucking behold, it's, 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 so you'll see these YouTube people and in LA and New York, which are showcase club towns. Yeah. You, you know, a YouTube person, they can probably do 10 minutes, but then you go selling tickets. People expect an hour of yeah. joke, of crafted jokes and material. And when you don't have that shit, motherfuckers ain't never coming back. Yeah. So that's, that, that is. Especially I when the you. tickets are high. Yeah. I think when you start seeing the ticket price, I'm like, I forgot who I saw. And I said, oh, I'm not paying this. Like, yeah. I'll go wait till they go to the, you know, the stand over here and see them. Like, yeah, yeah. you you want a good hour and you want to be entertained. Because I have I've know I've been to shows where it's been an hour and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and you want to watch, at least what I think is you, not only do you want to laugh, you want to watch somebody who spent the time to craft an hour of jokes with segues and things woven in and this yeah. story here and it's on at the end you're like not only was I amused for an hour and and laughy laughy but you literally got to watch somebody do something that's very very fucking difficult and you walk out going that was fucking cool that was fucking cool that guy or that girl could do that yeah no exactly yeah yeah, yeah. So now where is, it's at the Laugh Factory is Spanglish, right? Or Yeah, every, every, so it's 745 every Thursday at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood on Sunset, we do Spanglish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this week we've got, and again, I try to do a mix because there's been an influx of, I mean, I always say, I always say Caribbean comics just to myself, but mm-hmm. how do you describe like, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Cuban. How would you describe that? Group? You know what? I would just say the difference. I would say your West Coast comics and your East Coast, because you know what? That's right. That's I would right. start saying that, and I can honestly say that because I I've lived on both coasts, and I'm originally East Coast, but I I know the difference because I, I and I know it totally get where you're coming from. So I would just say East Coast versus West Coast because sort of my podcast, I've been getting all sorts of East Coast people, which is great, which is great. But now I want my West Coast comics more. I want some, yeah. you know, and, and, and uh, I have. What I, what I would love to see, the reason I want to start trying to do something in New York is me being, having spent all the years on the East Coast. I still very much consider myself an East Coaster in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I fucking shit on New York, but I love New Yorkers. I fucking love New York. I love everything about, I like the way we talk. I love the fucking, just the whole thing. But East Coasters can be more, they can be more fuckheads. Yeah. They talk more shit. We swing more dick. We fucking break more balls. Mm-hmm. So whereas I think, I know for a fact that an East Coast Latino comic can come here and kill. What I would love to see is a laid back Chicano Mexican American comic. See how he does with a bunch of East Coasters. And oh, see I would love that. And I'll tell you, the audience is hard here because. Yeah, fuck yeah. The audience, well, no, no, yeah. I, I went to see a show a couple of weeks ago and the guy was good. It's a, a great comic, Gio Perez. I've had him on this show before. He did mm-hmm. a great set. I look around, though. He, he's been to prison. No, he was actually in jail, not prison. And he, and that he showcases that. And it, he, he did really a great job. But um, the audience was just tough and difficult. And I'm looking around and there was these uptight millennials like that, you know, they're raised on Duncan. What's it called? Yeah. Duncan Dunkaroos or whatever. And, and yoga sports, I guess. It, they're all like uptight and they're not laughing. So I'm sitting there 
he did a great set. And I'm like, what's wrong with these people? The audience is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Like in New York, I feel like, because you've got in the city, you've got a diff, you've got these young millennial, like finance kids and all that. It's very tough. Then goes somebody else and they're like, you know, they're all uptight. And the only Jack joke they laughed at was this guy was making a joke that uh, he dates Indian woman because he likes brown woman because Spanish women aren't so smart. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, I'm offended. And they got offended. They were, they, the crowd was all laughing at that, but they were offended at something else. And I'm like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Well, and I've heard from other. Those dunkaroos, they fucked up the millennials. They, that's all they well, ate. And I, but I've also heard, and this is why I want to start doing stuff in New York to, to find this out, to see yeah. what would be so fascinating is like Francisco, the Venezuelan comic has told me it's not just age. It's the country you're from. He's like, dude, yes. all those in front of other Venezuelans where I won't do well. And he kills every, like 10 out of 10, this guy kills. Good looking, likable, great jokes, funny fucking dude. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll go do shows for Venezuelans and they'll just be looking at me. Like they, like real judgmental and real fucking, you know, real fuckery. Cubans give me judgmental too. Cubans. Very, oh my yeah. God, my own people. I don't eat, <laughs> so bad. I don't even... Yeah, they humans are a fucking trip, dude. But, but so you know, the race, there's the fucking hardcore racism thing that runs with Cubans. Mm -hmm. There's the Trump thing that runs with Cubans. Yes. Paper, you wouldn't think I would get along with Cubans, but I'll be goddamned if I've not always enjoyed hanging out with those (laughs) motherfuckers, man. They're funny. I dig smoking cigars, drinking. I mean, I just, the Cubans I've known have always been fucking funny as fuck and cool. Yeah. But you don't talk no politics with them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't bring up. Oh, my. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. That's a no, no. That's yeah. a no. And so, and then my growing up, you, I had like uh, both sides. I had there's the Cuban side was Republican, and then the Puerto Rican side was Democrat. Yeah. And it, it was a uh, very tough, like growing. Well, like, and it's the, the other thing about being white and doing stand up in Spanish is you're kind of a niche. You're, you're kind of almost like a clown. You know, you're playing with house money. You're always going to do well because of this little cartoonish ability you have, you know, to, to, to do it enough. So I'm always going to kill with any type of Latino audience. Not because I'm brilliant, not because my jokes are so great, just because mm-hmm. I'm a fucking white dude who can do this thing, you know, where they're like, holy shit, that's, you know, that's really fucking cool. So I don't have to worry about it as much as other Latino comics. Or, right. You know what I mean? And then when it comes for speaking the Spanish, I know, like, if depending on a certain audience, I need to, people need to say certain things. They can't, what's funny to like a Puerto Rican audience, it's going to be way different to a Mexican like the the certain slang the certain words the different um because I've noticed I've interviewed a Miami comic before and certain stuff that's funny over there they have a site called only in Dade and um I don't know if you've seen it but it's all sorts of stuff that's they have their own little niche of comic and stuff that's funny to them that you can't go anywhere else in the country with right well, and to me, that again goes back to the difference between a seasoned professional 
yeah. comic who yeah. would kill anywhere. There's a, there's, oh my God, you know, is, um, there's a, her name's Luz Passos. Luz Passos. She is one of the funniest fucking human beings. Like she is, she's Peruvian. Uh-huh. She's like a young Peruvian female comic and she is filthy and she murdered. Oh my God, you're going to have me write this down now. Yes. To, like, and it's, so it's, I could just look her up afterwards. Her name and is Z, L-U-Z, Luz, and then L-U-Z. Pasos with a Z, not an S. P-A-Z-O-S, not Pasos. Luz Pasos. Okay. I'm looking her up afterwards. I wanted to see this. Now, if I've never really met a Peruvian American before, I've never really met. And she, I think she came over here when she was like four. So she's still got a thick accent and all that. Mm-hmm. She kills anywhere because she has an act. Like she's a real comedian. She right. does. She goes on the road. She works on her set. She polishes. She changes things. So I also think some of the, oh, this is only regional. That's more if you're not a polished pro Mm. Learn, learns how to take different types of material in front of different crowds if that makes sense right 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 that's why yeah. i feel like all comedians need to get on the road and oh for sure go, go bear with it go to different yeah. cities learn to read change up your jokes have certain jokes ready for this city versus that city be prepared yeah, yeah. one and there are you know i did black rooms for a lot of years mm-hmm. when i first started oh off. yeah that was right you because you even opened for aries spears yeah, I I I have yeah. some dirt on him. I could share later with you. Everyone does. He's <laughs> oh, a, every- <laughs> dude, he's, he's just he's a bad human being. I I I'm, I don't want to get all into that, but I'm yeah, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. We won't, we won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. it's because he he treats people horribly, and he's a horrible human being. I'm not any anyone who's ever worked with the guy will tell you that. Yeah. Um, but one thing I did learn was, you know, black folks ain't really into Jesus jokes. Mm. it's the same with latinos oh the one thing there is one and it's not off limits Mm -hmm. but one thing you do if you're going to do some jesus shit particularly jesus shit if you want to do generalized religious material no big deal but if you want to really start getting into some dicey jesus shit even like a chicano third generation crowd is going to pull back a little bit Right. It's fascinating to me. Like that, that still exists. That's still very much a thing um, within that community. So I do like when it comes to doing Jesus shit, I will put more effort into like, how do I think about it? How do I craft it? Where do I put it? Do I open with something else first? But anything else, nobody really gives a fuck. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you, you very, you, you, God, you've had an amazing stretch of a comic career because and you've really been exposed to uh every type of demographic in a way because you I mean every every I've had great success in every way except monetarily (laughs) um but in terms of my experience you have what it takes to be oppressed like in a way though you know you've served the military you've been around all these cultures you know how to Pretty you extensive, have a, you pretty, have extensive the, pretty extensive criminal record though. Oh, that, okay. I'm like over <laughs> here, like, well, we kind of need a new president. We really need to change anybody. We need yeah, I'm no. like already like putting you in a political Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm no, not we need somebody with the charisma, you know, like <laughs> well it is um you have that charisma though that 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But you know, the other thing is I, and I'm not pandering when I say this, I, I bet you would say the same thing is if you looked at every group of people in the world and I've met, I've traveled all over. I've met a lot of different kinds of people. I find the group that laughs the most that dances and sings and drinks and generally has the most laid back attitude is fucking Latinos. Yeah. It's not a secret why I get along with these people so well. It's because they're just the most, they're the least uptight. It's Latinos and black folks. Yeah. Those are, those are my two groups that I'm going to, you know, gravitate towards because I'm a fucking comic. I like to drink and tell jokes and not be serious. Uh, yeah you know have fun yeah that's what it's all about yeah yeah and that's you know what i generally find particularly with brown folks is they're a lot you know latinos are just a lot more and they're great comedy they're great comedy audiences they drink a lot they're not offended by anything they're loud they're just fucking great yeah what would you think is the most difficult place that you have toured that you found was difficult for you to perform, like the di- most difficult audience that have you found um, so far? Like, or, or not rich. difficult, but you just, you didn't feel so open or well. I feel County, like I could, mm-hmm. Orange County has rich, white, young Republican type people mm-hmm. who, because they don't know any brown folks and black folks, don't even know where they're allowed to laugh at certain jokes. So like, Mm. I don't know, you make a joke about Latinos having a bunch of kids or not using condoms. Well, if you've Mm. known any fucking Latinos, you know why that's funny. Yeah. You know, it's okay to laugh at that because that's Mm -hmm. the thing. Yeah. If you've never even known any Brown people, you're uptight. Cause in your head, you're like, I don't want to laugh at that. Cause it makes me seem like I might be racist when you not laughing at anything is actually kind of what gives it, gives it away. Mm. So <clears throat> young, so rich, young, white Republican uptight. Like I don't particularly like that group. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. And I, mean, I would think, I would think they would look at you and embrace you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, well, I do a lot. I'm not one of them though. I do a lot okay. of racial shit. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of my act is about race and cause obviously it's been such a major factor in my world. Right. right. Uh, it was growing up. My parents were just like languages, traveling, learn other things, read other things, meet other people, go over here, go, go abroad. Like that was a massive, massive factor in the way I was raised. Also my, both my sister and my brother, same type of thing. Um, so a lot of those people don't, embrace diversity and different people and to them it's a threat whereas the thought of only being able to fuck one kind of person and eat one kind of food and hear one kind of point of view to me that's horrifying yeah like that's crazy like it's it's as crazy to me to not be interested in diversity as it is to them to be interested in it if that makes sense I understand. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, that's good. The way your parents raised you, they raised you very diverse and open. So it's very like the way it is in Europe. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Yeah. We traveled all over Europe when we were kids. Um, My dad worked for the airlines. So we flew a lot of time in Paris. 
um, Germany, uh, wow. Holland, a lot of those places. And then when I got over to Spain, I was already very like the European lifestyle is one that I knew and was familiar mm-hmm. to me. And I liked a lot. I liked it a lot. And if I can, and I love Mexicans, mm-hmm. Mexico's kind of a shithole if we're keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Third world country. If yeah. I could take Mexicans and put them in Spain, that's my favorite country of all time. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Cause I miss, I miss, uh, the Mexicans in LA, man, I miss going the to best. the, 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 the Basque. You know what I have to say? One thing is I miss the like Lakers game or the Dodgers game yeah. and everybody having modelas with the, uh, the hot dog. I told somebody oh. on the East coast and they were those hot dogs with the bacon wrapped around. Dude, I went and, to uh, the first time I went to a Rams game. So have you ever, ta- have you ever been tailgating at a football game? Not in a long, long time. So it's kind of always the same. It's sort of like, you know, the music's the same. The feel is the same. And then the first time I go to a Rams game, it's like Raiders light tailgating. And it's Modelo's and weed and fucking Dr. Dre's bump in. And there's palm trees and it's fucking sunny. Oh, and, that's and what was, I miss about L.A. Yeah, it was then taco trucks and you're smelling. Oh. And it, you, you smell instead of chili. Everyone's got carne asada and fucking modelos and drinking micheladas. And it was just the shit. Yeah. It was the shit. And I was, I was in love the <laughs> minute I got out here. I'm like, I'm never leaving LA. Yeah, no, that, that, that's the part. That's, oh, I miss all that. Um, because they really don't, of course they don't have it out. They have some stuff over here, but not a lot. It's nothing like LA, the culture in LA. Um, and I really miss that a lot. Yeah, yeah, there it's the best. It's the best experience. Um, and I just growing up, you never really saw that on TV. You never saw no, you didn't. No, you didn't no. see the true LA. No, and then once you experience it, it's like, and then as fascinated as cholos are, I've never met cholas. Mm-hmm. So the first time you meet a staggeringly gorgeous 25-year-old Latin woman and she's got a fucking spider tattooed on her neck. And all of like the Elvira or, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the Morticia Adams, like goth, black, black, black nails, mm-hmm. like low rider. It, it, it was it, it, you know, you feel like you're going to another world, not just another country, but meeting like this whole other subculture. And if you're cool, they'll let you in. They're not yeah. what people think. If you're down and you're just cool to hang and fucking kick Oh, back. and they'll have your back because I have one friend. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I used to hang out with him and his girlfriend. And uh, man, I love the fact that I could get drunk. He would watch my back the whole time. Yeah. Nobody, if we were out with him, if I was out with this couple, nobody messed with us. Yeah. And, and then- I could get drunk and he and he would make sure we were in the car. Nobody would follow us or whatever. Yeah. Like I felt really safe. Like, and yeah. I missed that. He's like, he very much like a brother to me. And you then know, I next- met like a lot of military veterans out here. A lot of my friends uh-huh. that are Mexican or that are Chicano are military vets and combat vets. Mm-hmm. So I start, I'm also a biker. So I started hanging out with motorcycle clubs that were Mexican American. And so it was all the same stuff I like because people have this idea that the, the one thing I like to tell like people in Trump world is that when they hate Mexicans, when they hate on Mexicans, I'm like, you have no idea what these people are like. They're so much like you guys. Mexicans are brown rednecks. Yeah. Mexico is a deeply conservative country. 
big pickup trucks. Mexicans love guns. Mm-hmm. They fucking are crazy. They love America just as much as fucking you do. You know, they just have the wrong idea. So I was getting yeah. to experience all these things I still love, like Harleys and guns, but just doing it with a different group of people, which was what made it so fucking cool. Yeah. And they have yeah. a lot of um a lot of people ride the bikes over there at uh I remember what was the one I did a batch. I used to be a stripper, by the way. Usually, right. I tell, usually I always tell them my story, but I'm like, just to warn people, that's why I like comedy. All the years of listening to music, I got triggered. I, and I worked at nude clubs. I saw too much ro- roast beef. So that's why I like comedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, no, what was the one? Now you, I have what you have, the brain frog. What's that one Mexican game? But they were so sweet. The Mongols. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I've done some uh yeah. now I get it with guys. Guys are because I've met guys that are like, oh, I don't mess with it. You know, like guys, I get it because it's an intimidation. Yeah. I've never felt so safe at, at, at a bachelor party that went with a group of Mongols, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, Respectful and just bikers yeah. in general kind of have the same cub I've been a biker for 30 years. They kind of treat it like the mafia used to, which is mm-hmm. like fucking with people's women, because people will kill you over that shit. Yeah. It's bad for business. Don't touch. Don't stare. And I've said the same thing. I've told girls I've dated that I'm like, they're like, I'm not going there. I'm like, you're safer here than you are at a fucking nightclub. Yeah. No, I, I, would, I, leave you, I would leave you alone here to go somewhere and come back more so here than just about anywhere else. Yeah. No, I felt very safe. Like I remember I did two, was it two or three of bachelor parties each time? Yeah. And it was like a good experience. I've met- I've met some Mongols who were cooler than shit, but two of them gave me like a light recruiting pitch. And I mm-hmm. wanted to just be like, dude, I'm not a gangster. I'm not. Yeah. I like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm a, I, dude, I, all I want to do is drink beer and make people laugh and smoke some grass yeah. and ride around my bike. You want a simple life. Simple life, man. I just, yeah. I don't want any of that. Cause you know, you can't ever forget what they are. Which is yeah, 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 yeah. Incredibly I, I dangerous. Get it. Me as a female going into an environment like that, it was different because they. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But I yeah. get it with other men. Um, you know how they? Yeah, I get it because yeah. men and so men, they, yeah. So, yeah, you get this idea like, oh, I'm going to be part of this cool thing, and it's like, hey, man, don't forget at their core, and and they're cool as shit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of hell's angels that are cool, mm-hmm. but it's because you're not part of their group. You get involved in it, man. It's a it's a different fucking ball of wax, man. It's a different oh, yeah. fucking wax. Yeah. No, I yeah. hear you. I hear you. Well, thank you so much, John. Could you? No, thank tell- you. This is so. Oh, cool. you you are so fascinating. You are like the most fascinating comic with with everything. And I'm like being real with you, right? A hundred percent. So much your history, and I hope you do make it to. Um, New York would your I would love to see that in person see like the different audience and all that but uh can you tell my audience where they could find you and everything else yeah I'm on Instagram at the John Stites um you can find Operation Comedy on there's YouTube clips of it it's kind of all over so Operation Comedy at the John Stites on Instagram and uh every Thursday at 745 at the Laugh Factory doing Spanglish well, thank you so much. I'm Marcella Alonzo, and you can find me on my IG, Marcella Sobella. Thank you again for coming on Sunday Funday. Thank you. Talk soon.